The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. How many of you have ever been in debt? <laughs> I would ask, how many are you in debt? <laughs> Let me give you some advice. It took, it took me a long time. It didn't take that long. It took a while to... It took a while to figure this out. Don't cash the check that you get in the mail that says pre-approved, $5,000, send this check in. I may have told you all, I think I did one time. I did that. Now, I didn't send the check in. I said, said, I'm going to go borrow some money. I needed some money. I went and borrowed some money from one of these loan places, not Charlie's, you know, loan shark on the corner, but... Uh, it was one of those places that will loan you money when you don't have any money. The problem was I didn't have no money to pay back the money I borrowed. Uh, how many of you been there? Just testify this morning. few of us are honest. Uh, we was poor as Job's turkey. Y'all, some of y'all know Denise and I have been married 35 years yesterday. Uh, that's good. I've put up with her that long. Isn't that great? It's a miracle. That's right. Gray hairs and all. I put up with her, and she's gone. So y'all know y'all noticed that, don't you? Uh, but when we got married, you know, we was uh, we just lived from check to check. Some of y'all do that now. Matter of fact, we lived above check to check. I told y'all one time I, bu- I bought a boat right after we got married that cost more than any vehicle we had and nearly half as much as our house. <laughs> and, uh, but it was a good boat, a good Ranger bass boat. So uh, we uh, borrowed some money. We uh, just struggled to pay it back week after week and uh, about 35% interest, you know. And uh, I didn't care at the time, but I didn't know what that meant at the time. The funny thing that I'll never forget is I got a call one time, and it was a collector, and they said, this is, I can't even remember the name of the company. They said, you know, you've borrowed this money, and you're behind. Uh, and I said, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm going to make a payment when I get paid Friday. And they said, okay, while we've got you on the phone, would you like to borrow some more money? Now, can you believe that? <laughs> That's a true story. And I said, no. And the problem with that is uh, you, you can pay, and you can pay, and you can pay, and you never get it paid off. You know, the interest compounds, and uh, you've got to really triple and quadruple up your payments to ever get it paid off. And that's what they want. They're counting on you uh, to do all you can just to make the minimum payment. And, you know, the minimum payment, you go borrow two or $3,000, they might not make you pay but $30 a month, you know, or something like that. Well, you'll never get that debt paid off. So uh, if you've thought about that or you're thinking about that, don't do it. I learned that. I ended up having to sell some some uh, things at work, some stock at work, and pay that off to get out from under. And I've never done that again, and that was 30 years ago or more probably. So don't do it. But today I want us to talk about the debtor's dinner. Uh, and that's what we're going to call our message today in Luke chapter 7, if you want to turn there. We've been talking about, guess who's coming to dinner? We started last week with the, uh, the ideal of kind of looking at Jesus Christ and looking at some of the dinners he attended. Uh, we talked a little bit about all that goes on around the, 
the dinner table, the lunch table, supper table, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so we're going to look at just a, a bunch of different ideas about Christ and, and really about guess who's coming to dinner today. And, and we see last week, we, we looked at that, and I'll talk a little bit about that in just a moment. But two men, they took a line of credit out from, a, uh, from an individual financer, and both of the uh, used this line of credit for various purposes. One was careful only to dip into that loan that he had taken, just small amounts to cover maybe a mortgage on a tight month, maybe a, a few hundred dollars to cover a, a financing on a good used vehicle, something along those lines, a, a little discretionary money for a business trip, or maybe uh, sometimes just a little nice gift on Valentine's Day. So he was pretty frugal with his his investment or his loan. The, the second man was less prudent. He he, uh, he purchased a deck for his new home with this built-in hot tub, and he upgraded his leased vehicle to a new vehicle with all the, the leather and all the pa- packages you could get, a high-output engine. And uh, when he flew on business trip, he flew first class, and uh, when he could have got there for coach, all the same uh, destination would have been the same. He Valentine's Day, he decided to go on a long cruise, and he was using all of that, uh, all of that money just on a line of credit. He decided, hey, I'll just, uh, I'll just use this credit for these things, and and all of a sudden, disaster struck. And when disaster struck, the the company that they were both working for, they. Uh, there was an announcement made that things had collapsed and that uh, the employees were now jobless. No severance package, no pension, no paycheck, but uh, they were just jobless. And immediately, the loans were called due. The first man, he owed about $5,000, and he had no means to pay, which uh, was really seemed a little bit light compared to the second man, who owed 10 times that amount. And the creditor who whom the debt was owed, uh, considered the situation, and then he told both men, hey, I'm going to forgive your debt completely. Now, if you were in that situation, I want you not to answer this, but which man would you have rather been? And if you like me, knowing the end of the story, you would probably be the guy that said, hey, I would like to be the guy that just went hog wild. But not knowing the end of the story... Uh, which would you have rather been? And, and when we think about this, uh, the question comes up, which was the most grateful? So what do y'all think? Who was the most grateful? This your part in the sermon this morning. Okay, the, the guy that owed, uh, the guy that owed the, the most uh, had to be the most grateful. The guy that owed the least was probably the not quite as grateful, but... Uh, this morning in Luke chapter 7, y'all have probably recognized part of that story, starting down in verse 36. I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture here. I could read it in a lot of different places. If you didn't notice last week and this week and really the next several weeks, uh, I'm going to preach a little different kind of sermon, just meaning that we don't have a whole lot of scripture we're going to turn to. We're primarily going to stay right here in this package, uh, in this in this, uh, in this uh, passage and and with that, uh, I want to just kind of replay it. And what I would like for us to do as we, uh, as we read this passage and as we talk about this passage to really try to see and understand what's happening. 
uh, in the ideal of this dinner. Now, one Pharisee, this is Luke 7, 36. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house, this is Jesus, and he reclined at the table. Now, y'all remember one time, if you were here, we had a, a group of folks come up and we kind of reclined up here, how they, would have, uh, how they would have been during this time around a, a dinner table. They just kind of sat on the floor with a, with a small table with pillows, and they even leaned up against each other sometimes. They just kind of reclined there, maybe on one elbow, and kind of ate with the other hand, kind of if you were laying on your living room floor and, and eating there. That's kind of what happens. So that's the picture you get. Jesus just, he kind of just makes his way into the house. He, he just reclines there at the table. And verse 37 says, Then a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, and she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and she stood behind him, at his feet weeping, and she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, so to, in his mind, he said, Is this man, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him. That's the key verse right there, a key word, touching him. And what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. And Jesus answered him. Now, see, he didn't say that, but Jesus knew his thoughts, and Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50 Neither of the men had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them would uh, love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turns toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she has loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests, who are they? The other Pharisees, they begin to say among themselves, who is this? Even forgives sins. They said, who does this guy think he is? He, he, that he even forgives sins. And verse 50 says, And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. So what I want us to do this morning, I want us to look uh, kind of at some of the characters and some of the things that are taking place. And as I said, I want to kind of start building a picture of what's taking place. The first person we see is the Pharisee, Simon. And uh, this is a story that Jesus uh, told uh, Simon. And, and really, this story made the Pharisees kind of grimace. The, <coughs> excuse me, with a simple story... Jesus had really cut right to the quick of Simon's prejudice, and, and he made his point. Had Simon been a little bit better judge of character, uh, he would have realized that Jesus was more than he ever imagined. And, and with that, I want us to realize that Jesus is more than we have ever imagined. More than we, sometimes I think we 
try to put Jesus in our little box and we kind of try to put him on a shelf or we kind of try to pull him out in these certain occasions. But, but Christ is more than we've ever imagined. And, and Simon began to learn this. <coughs> Sorry about that. As far as his fellow, his, his fellow Pharisees that are, that are there, they're, they're concerned with Simon's ability to judge character. They have to be. They're, they're gathered around there. He, they're saying, this, this guy's invited us over dinner and, and he's not a very good judge of character. We're going to see all that as we go as we go on. It, it didn't take much to see that Jesus really wasn't the sort of character that a Pharisee would have wanted to have supper with. So they've got to be looking at Simon at this point, who's a good host, uh, and he's invited these other Pharisees to come eat at his house. And I guess to to say the least, it, it promised to be a an interesting dinner to say the very least. If nothing more, the Pharisees came to eat with Jesus uh, at, at Simon's table just because they tolerated Simon as a Pharisee. Now, what do I mean by that? The reason they just simply tolerated Pharisee wasn't simply the fact that he was a high, he had a high moral standard. That was certainly part of it. But he probably was a man of some sort of means. He had some sort of, of, of value in his life. In other words, he, he probably had a lot of money. He, he may not could have, tolerate, uh, could have quoted the, uh, the Torah, but he, 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 was, uh, he threw a nice dinner party. He was a nice enough guy. He, uh, he had a few other weaknesses. The reason I say that is because Simon had already asked a few questions about Christ to the other Pharisees. So as he asked some of these questions, uh, sometimes he would do things a little embarrassing to the other Pharisees. He, he asked them to, to really consider perhaps this, this man has came from God. Maybe God has really sent this man. And when he said that, some of the other Pharisees, they begin to question him. Now this, we find this in other parts of Scripture. So, so Simon, he, he's an interesting character in that he, he really didn't fit the mold of a Pharisee, yet he was a Pharisee. So, first of all, as we look at Simon, uh, it's apparent that despite some of his weaknesses, uh, he was recognized as a Pharisee and he recognized Christ as someone that was a a little more than just a regular person. Now, here's the interesting, interesting thing. The other Pharisees, they accepted that too a little bit. They kind of accepted the, the fact that even though he went around with publicans and with lepers, uh, they accepted him as, as Christ is a good moral man. That's the Pharisees. They said, well, you know, he's a, he's, a pretty good, he's a pretty good moral person. But let me tell you about the Pharisees. You know, I, I told you a while ago to <coughs> maybe underline that word that says touched. The reason I said that is the Pharisees would have done anything to keep from being ceremonially unclean. In other words, in the law, there's all these things that make you ceremonially unclean. And what that means is they couldn't come into the temple and worship if they were considered unclean. So what they would have to do, they would have to go if they were considered ceremonially unclean. You may have remember we talked about this one time. Uh, if they went by a cemetery... They would go on the other side of the road because if they went into a cemetery, they were ceremonially unclean. They wouldn't touch any person, any leper, anything because they were ceremonially unclean. So if they ended up ceremonially unclean, they had to go to the temple and make a sacrifice to make them ceremonially clean. 
So what would that mean? I think we kind of do that sometimes. I think we have a little Pharisee in us sometimes. And I think sometimes if the, the preacher, I'm not saying here in this church, but I'm saying as a whole Christian, sometimes the, maybe the preacher uh, uh, preach on some subject and uh, just make up some subject, you know, whatever you want it to be. And, and we, we kind of get convicted by the Holy Spirit and we say, Man, I'm not going forward today to pray about that. What would people think? You ever thought about that? Well, he preached on alcoholism. If I go up there today, people are going to think I've got a problem with that. You know, that's kind of the way the Pharisees were. They were like, I don't want anybody to see me ceremonially unclean because they're going to go, hey, did you see old Jacob there, the Pharisee? He was having to make a sacrifice because he's come in contact with something that's made him ceremonially unclean. So the Pharisees are there. They're, they're thinking about that because that would, have, that would have drove them crazy. See why that word touched stands out so much? That no one, they, would, they wouldn't want nobody to touch them even. That would make them ceremonially unclean. And, and so Jesus is here. Simon is kind of relieved, I think, that Jesus kind of comes in with a crowd because there were some customs of the day that should have taken place. And we saw Jesus list them. We'll talk more about them here in just a moment. But, but Jesus didn't, he didn't really uh, make a big entrance I imagine Simon thought, I hope he just comes up with a whole crowd of people and sits down and, and kind of stays over there. We can get on to our dinner. But Christ does. He kind of comes in. He makes his way to his table. He sits down reclining. And, and while, while Jesus seems to be a righteous man, there's, there's no one to really know. Maybe he's done something that he's ceremonially unclean. You know, if, if you had done something ceremonially unclean and I had touched you, well, I, that just bleeds right over to me. So, so probably there were some ideals there. That's kind of Simon's first thought. The second is, is Simon references him as a teacher. So that kind of tells us that some of the Pharisees uh, were, were really uh, recognizing him as a, as a rabbi, someone who could instruct other people, a spiritual teacher. So the Pharisees kind of accepted him on that. With this in mind, Simon, he would have done all the things a good Pharisee should have done for dinner, I don't know if y'all have uh, if y'all have any special china you put out. Maybe you have you're going to have a dinner party or a hen party. What you know, you're going to have all these special ladies over, and and you're going to get out your finest little tea dishes, and uh, and and you're going to set all those things up, and you're going to you're going to take all the the magazines off the table. You're going to put something out there, our daily bread, you know, so that everybody can see it, you know, and and that's kind of what Simon would have done. Simon would have said, okay, I have a rabbi coming over. He's a special kind of guy. He may even be sent from God, and he's coming into my house, so I want to do all these things right. They had a, they had a, a book called the Manishnah, and, and it was proper dinner etiquette. So it, it told the Jewish people, Here, here's what you do if you're going to have a, a dinner for the Pharisees. I'm sure Simon had done all of those things. I'm sure he had checked the house for leaven and made sure that, that he didn't have any of, the, any of that in the house because the rabbi was coming over. And, and after all, what if he saw those things? He, he, I'm sure he had in his hallway a, a, a list of his family heritage, which would have taken Simon all the way back to Abraham. So when the rabbi come in, he could have walked down the hall and said, 
oh, you're, you're a descendant of so-and-so who was the son of so-and-so who was the daughter of so-and-so who was the son of so-and-so, and you go all the way back to Abraham. Oh, I see, you are truly a Pharisee. So I'm sure Simon had, had placed all of those things out there to, to say, here's my pedigree, and, and here's where I'm from, and, and we're assembled here together, and, and, and Rabbi, I want you to see who I am. Now, here's the problem with that. All of these things are what? They're external things, aren't they? That was one of the Pharisees' biggest problems. They, they had all these external thoughts. In other words, they wanted to look like a good Christian. They wanted everybody to look at him and say, Wow, that, that guy's never ceremonially unclean. Boy, look at his credentials. Look at the, the genealogy he has there. Look, he's got the Shema laid out there and his table for everyone to see. Man, this dinner table is set up just perfect. Everything is culture. Everything is, is just what it should be. There's no leaven in his house. Man, this guy, he's got it all together. I mean, that's where the Pharisees wanted to be. And those problems is they're all external things. Again, I think sometimes we as Christians, we have a little Pharisee in us. I mean, we want to put on the best front that everybody can look and say, wow, boy, that man, Jake's got it all together today. I mean, look at that. He's, he's got everything laid out just right. Man, I went over and visited his house. He had, a, he had a Bible there. didn't even have any dust on it. There was a dust rag by it, so I'm not sure he didn't just dust it before he got there. But, but hey, it all looked good. That, that's, what, that's what we see in Simon as he references Christ as the teacher. All the other Pharisees would have been there and, and they would have been all puffed up going around saying, yeah, look at this Simon and, and we're just like Simon. But we have all of these things too, Rabbi. And then finally it's evident that Simon, he, he entertained some kind of ideal that, that Christ was more than a prophet like Elijah, more than a prophet like, like Moses, Maybe he was a messenger sent from God. And he was kind of entertaining those thoughts. At least it didn't seem inconceivable to Simon that, that, that Christ was something. But all that changed when she arrived. Told you all about the lady that had the dinner party and, and had all the ladies over to the house and she had struggled and, and cleaned and vacuumed and dusted and washed and, and, uh, and all the ladies came and, and she had her little daughter there and, and uh, she was going to be so cute and she said, uh, I'm going to ask my little daughter to say our prayer for uh, our meal before we start and, and uh she said, Mommy, I don't know what to pray. She said, well, just pray what you've heard Mama say. So she just bowed her head and said, Good Lord, why not I invite all these women over here? <laughs> so, uh, you know, the party went south. Boy, what happened? I've got all this stuff laid out. I, I, I've, I've got all the people here. Man, this Christ, he must be something a little more than I thought he was. And, and boom. In walks a woman. There goes the party. Good Lord, why did I invite all these people over here? It just, it just went south. So let's look at the woman right quick. How long had she stood by the door? Put, your, put yourself in her place. The Bible says she was a notorious sinner. In other words, she had a reputation. I wonder how long she stood outside the window. The Bible doesn't say... 
wondering, should I go in? Should I not go in? What, what should I do? Should, should I follow that drawing of the Spirit or should I simply stay back? Man, this house is full of Pharisees. Or maybe she just came up and she just, she just ran in all of a sudden. The Bible doesn't say, but I want you just to think about that. What, maybe, maybe how long did she stand there? How, how long did she wrestle with herself just deciding what she should do? What we do know is she came bearing a precious gift, this, this, this alabaster flask filled with costly perfume. More than likely, that represented all of her earthly wealth. It represented all she had. See, during those days, perfumes were rare and, and costly for perfumes. They were very rare. And the Bible says that's what she brought. So she brought not only her earthly possessions, but she brought her worldly past. And, and as she brought her worldly past two different times in Scripture, this notorious sinner, this woman who was especially wicked had came. What made her a notorious sinner? It, it's pretty much understood in Scripture when we see those words that it would be a woman who played the harlot. It would be some type of prostitute. And, and this woman, that, that term nearly exclusively refers to that. So in this town, she would have been recognized at that. She had some earthly beauty. She had become wealthy through this. Now, how she ended up in that position, who knows? Was she sold into that position through slavery? Was she, uh, was she a widow? Was she, uh, was she an orphan? The Bible doesn't say about those things. The, the Bible just simply says she had that type of life. Again, again was she there ever a necessity? We, we just don't know that. But more than likely, it was a combination of these things. But listen... Not only maybe, maybe it was part of, of uh, something that, that happened beyond her control, but she was also a willing participant. So she wasn't innocent of this. In other words, there may have been some circumstances in her past that, that, that led this up to this, but she wasn't an innocent victim. She, she had made some, some choices to have that type of lifestyle. So, so what would her life have been like? This, this woman would have gentlemen callers, or you might not call them gentlemen, but she'd had these, these men calling on the likes of her, and, and through all of these things, she had gained these vast riches, and, and she was able to live comfortably, comfortable enough that she was able to afford some things. And, and so people would, have, people would have recognized this woman. But here's the thing I, I think they missed is when they looked at this woman, what did they see? We find a little glimpse of it in Scripture. It says a notorious sinner. That's what they saw. They, they saw someone who, who had some notoriety because of their sin. Well, you say, well, okay, I got that. But I want you to get that. They saw a sinner, but they didn't see her. See, they saw a prostitute, a, a woman of pleasure, a, a, a notorious sinner, but, but they didn't see her. They may have saw some wealth. They, they may have identified her with, with some other, some other, something other than being a person, but when Christ looked at her, he saw her soul. See, when he looked at her, he, he, he saw her for who she was. He saw her as someone who needed a Savior, and, and when she saw him... She met a man she had never met before. When she saw him, something changed. And she recognized there's something that's different about this guy. They're at dinner. We're at, they're at the debtor's dinner. 
And she recognizes that there's something beyond him that I haven't seen. In other words, he looked at me and he saw me for really who I am. And she looked at him and she recognized who she really was and what she really needed. And, and maybe she was reminded of these words and maybe she had heard Christ say over in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And when she saw Christ, those words must have burned in her heart and she must have believed those words. And as she believed those words, she strangely felt that her life had been changed. That the the past was going to be different and from this day on there was going to be a different person there. So she came, however she came, she came with a, a heart of gratitude. And she came and she met the Savior with that heart of gratitude. And, and as she looked at Him, she brought all she had her worldly possessions she brought and, and she went there. And, and the Scripture's real clear. So, so what did she do that night? It, it said that she began to cry and as she wept, her tears there began to, began to coat his feet. And to, to think about that picture, you know, they traveled during those days. They walked and, and the dust would gather upon their feet and they would come and, and they would go into someone's house. The custom was there was a foot washer. So when you came in the house, someone washed your feet and they washed the dust off your feet. That wasn't the case here. Because it says her tears fell and, and she began to wash his feet. Can you imagine if you, if you take a, something that's dusty and you drop one little drop of water and then it, it kind of runs, you know, it just kind of leaves a line drawn in the dust there and, and a little line drawn in the dust. And it, as she was there and she was crying and she was weeping and, and Christ's feet, those tears began to run up off his feet and she began to see the dust there on his feet and, and she began to, to wipe it with her hair. She, she must have took the hair pins out and, and let her hair fall down and then she began to wash his feet there. How she fell before the Savior, we don't know. And, and how she responded to the Savior, we really, really don't know. We just know that she was there and she was weeping and she began to, to anoint his feet and she began to kiss his feet and she began to wash his feet. And, and I was thinking this morning as I was looking over this, Colton sings a song that says, you know, when I go into the presence of the Lord, what will I do? I can only imagine... I can only imagine how I might respond. And, and I think as she came into the presence of the Lord, maybe she never imagined tears coming down her eyes. Maybe she never imagined what was going to take place. But, but as she came before, these tears began to pour. And she responded to the Savior. Now, as we look at the Pharisee, we see the Pharisee indignant of what's taking place. We see the woman who comes and she meets with the Savior and, and she's changed. Now, now, lastly, let's look at the Savior. And we've got to move quickly. The, the first clue that this woman was present when she, she entered the, 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 the room of the Pharisees, can you imagine what they've done? Can you imagine as the Pharisees are reclined there and looking and talking and all of a sudden this woman comes in, she's, she's a notorious sinner, how they must have recoiled back like a rat run across the table. I mean, don't you know they lean back and say, oh my goodness, what, what in the world is she doing in here? And then as she went ahead and came in, you know, talk about a party going south. I mean, we're at a dinner party with all the fine etiquette and all the things displayed and, and everything's perfect. And, and this unclean woman comes in here. Boy, don't you know the Pharisees, they wanted to scatter. 
And Simon's over there going, oh my goodness, what's going on in my house? And Christ looked at him and had said, Simon, I've got something to tell you. Now, Simon said, you know, this guy's a prophet. He's got to know what's going on, and he's got to to understand as being a prophet. Well, he was a prophet, wasn't he? Because it says Simon thought about these things, and then Christ looked at him and said, Simon, I've got something I want to tell you. What did Simon say? Speak on, man. Let's hear it. I, I want to hear what you got to say. And then Jesus told that story to me and took a line of credit. One from an individual financer. The, the story didn't take long. And, and Jesus ended up asking the question, which, which of these two men loved him more? Now, what did he do to Simon? Simon was a smart guy, wasn't he? Don't you know he just went, God, he's got me now. What am I going to say? He's, man, he just exposed me for who I am. All of a sudden, Simon's thoughts wasn't on the dinner party. Simon's thoughts wasn't on all the things that was taking place. All of a sudden, Simon was face to face with his own prejudices, with his own thoughts of this woman. All of a sudden, he stood face to face with Christ. Christ didn't stop there. Man, you talk about getting pointed all of a sudden. Christ said, Simon, when I came in, you didn't cleanse my feet. That was a custom of the time. But this woman has washed my feet. Simon, when I came in, you denied me the common courtesy of a, of a kiss. That was common during that time. Uh, the, uh, it was common for a, to kiss the hand or to kiss the cheek of a, of a guest as they come in. Simon, you, you didn't give me a, a kiss of greeting, but this woman's not stopped kissing my feet. Simon, when I came in, you didn't offer me uh, the, the common oil, olive oil to freshen my head. That was common for those times. But this woman, she has poured perfume, all she has upon my feet. And truly, Simon, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. You see, the one who has been forgiven little shows little love. And then he says to the woman, because of your faith, you've been made whole. Because of your faith, your sins are forgiven. Now, Go in peace. You remember we talked last week about uh, Christ. He's there. He goes to eat at Levi's house. And what did the Pharisees do? They're outside looking in saying, this guy's eating with tax collectors. This guy's eating with thieves. This guy's eating with someone who steals from us. Now they're gathered at another setting. And, and here this guy, he, he has a woman come into him and, and uh, she's a notorious sinner and he's sitting and eating there at that point the supper breaks into chaos again Simon must have thought what in the world's happening now as Christ says your sins are forgiven go in peace the same times the the Pharisees begin to 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 claim among themselves who does this guy think he is 
that he can forgive sins. If you would just permit me to close with this, kind of going back to where we began, the, these two men who took this line of credit, both of them uh, from this individual financer, they both uh, didn't have the money. One owed $5,000, the other owed $50,000, neither had the money to pay it back, and the, the creditor was, was there. He said, you know, I'm going to forgive your sins, I'm going to cancel your debt, and, and the Pharisees in this story, they're furious over that. They refused to recognize that no amount of good behavior could erase their, could erase their sins, their bad behavior. And, and that's what Christ was trying to teach them. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to think about this. Simon and his friends, the other Pharisees gathered there, they, more than astute character of the judges, they too, like the unnamed woman, could have asked for forgiveness of their sins. They could have looked at the story and said, you know, we're the ones that...